0: Welcome to the Surviving Second Gen podcast, where we candidly discuss the mental health impacts of being a second generation immigrant in America. I'm your host, Jennifer Hippolyte, a Haitian American child of two immigrant parents, as well as a licensed mental health counselor. My hope is that this podcast leaves you feeling heard, understood, and empowered to apply tangible takeaways that can help you navigate all the things that come with being second gen. All right, welcome to episode eight of the Surviving Second Gen podcast. So let's get right into it, okay? Um, I can't tell you how many times I've heard a child of immigrants, including myself, say, I never heard my parents say I love you, but I know that they do. And I know that it hit me when I was in grad school and my grad school program, I don't know about other counseling grad school programs, but my program was low key a therapy session every single class. Like that's literally what we were doing. Our professors were therapizing us all the time. But I don't remember the context or what classes so specifically and what we were talking about. But I remember saying that, basically making that statement that I know that my dad loves me, but I've never heard him say, I love you. Um, because he just is not an emotional super lovey-dovey type of person. He just doesn't use those words. And I remember my professor challenging me and she was like, well, what if you told him that you loved him? And I was just like, uh, what? Like, you want me to go against the grain and do what we don't do by talking about what I feel and telling my dad that? A person who's never said that to me, and at the time I was like, I don't know, 23? What? And she was like, yeah, what what would happen if you did say that? Um, And I was just like, I don't know. And she's like, what's your fear with saying it? And I was just like, I don't know what he's going to say back. (laughs) Just thinking about that, that was so, like, deep. Um, I mean, and it's not like... It's not like my dad was gonna be like, "I hate you," but I just I didn't know because I didn't have that context. We never said those words in my household, um, so for me, it was just it was just weird to think about um, saying that and thinking about the response that I could get from saying that. But let me let me go let me go back a little bit let me go back. So. For as long as I can remember in my household, um, I was taken care of, right? Like my parents took very care, good care of me. And I feel like all immigrant, children of immigrants can say the same, like their parents took care of them because that's that was literally like the goal, right? Like you have parents who came from this, came to this country from another country came to this uh, soil trying to make a better life for themselves and especially their children. So they did everything that they could to make sure that their children were set, right? Any opportunity that they had to make sure that their kids were okay, they did what they needed to do to make sure that their kids were okay. And that looked like making sure the kids had a roof over their head, making sure the kids ate, making sure the kids went to school and that was pretty much it like those were the essentials like your kids gotta eat they gotta have a roof over their head and they gotta get to school so they can learn and be doctors and lawyers and nurses and um you know going back to something that we've talked about already like for them there's so many things that go into that right like for them, they're, go- they're coming into a uh, place that they don't know and they want to set up the best future for their children. So, of course, they're hyper-focused on the things that will set their children up for the future. All those other things that are in between um, doesn't always get addressed. And then when we think about how that immigrant parent was raised, And if they were raised the same way where their parents did what they needed to do to survive, to make sure that that kid had all the things, then there are some things in between that don't get addressed. And for a lot of immigrant children, we get security, but not so much love and people can, uh, I guess there can be like a, a difference in how people see love, right? Um, when we think about love, some people see the love as the security. So they get all their needs met, all the things are happening. And for them, that's like, okay, that's efficient. You know, that's, that's love that, that works. Um, and for the most part, that's, that's normalized. In immigrant households, it's like, if I take care of you and you have somewhere to sleep at night, what else do you want? (laughs) If I feed you, what else do you want? And, um, I think there's, there's so many layers to this because I think that one thing I could say about my parents that I think looks so different than, being in the uh in the view of the American society is that my parents will always have a place for me to live even if I'm 80 years old like if I lost everything right now as an independent adult they have no problem putting me back into their house having a whole bedroom set up for me cooking for me every day and doing all the things that you do for a little baby and that's a beautiful thing because it you know like when I think about that I'm like that's a privilege to be able to know that no matter what happens in this life as an adult I have parents that will cater to me and do all the things for me no matter what right um and at the same time when you are a a child who is in this household and growing up and doing all of those things that you need to do to get to being an adult, um, that security just isn't enough Um, because we need affection. We need love. We need to be told that we're cared about. We need to be told that Um, we're meaningful, we are worthy, we have value. Um, and a lot of times that does not happen. And when we think about the things that, when we think about the things that, um, immigrant parents have to give us a lot of times, it's just their security. It's just them going to work. It's just them working several jobs. It's just them cooking food every other day so that you're all right. And I think that they get so caught up in that routine and and that cycle of waking up, working, cooking, taking you to this, doing that, doing that, that, they don't get to address the other stuff in between which may seem you know minuscule like my you know like my parent like you know they, they may be thinking like my kids know that I love them well you know like what I what do I gotta say that for they know that like look, look what I'm doing for them look 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 all of this stuff that that I have for them you know how how could they not know that I love them it's clear and um I think growing up myself as a um, child of immigrants, there were instances where I I realized that um, I was super secure in you know having all these things set up for me. Like I said, knowing that I'll always have a space in my parents' home, but I was super insecure in knowing that um, my parents knew how to meet my emotional needs. I struggled with the fact that I was getting messaging from talking to other um other children or like classmates getting messaging from things like lessons and stuff that we were talking about at school that showed me the 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 family picture and what it looked like and um you know people sitting down having dinner together parents saying i love you and encouraging their kids and um showing up to sporting events and doing stuff like that and i was just like i don't know what that looks like <laughs> i don't i don't know what that that means like I I know that again I I know that my parents care about me. If they didn't, I wouldn't be well taken care of. However, I never heard it. So what does that mean? And I didn't I didn't think about what does that mean um until I was older and like I said I was put in a position to really think about it in what was sort of like a therapy session where it was just like huh yeah they, they haven't said that so huh you know and um when I think back to when I was a child it was for me something that uh was normalized right like I didn't I didn't feel like I could ask for it because I just figured that's just how it is like we don't we don't do the lovey dovey feeling stuff, so you don't ask for that because you know, you don't you don't have the, the space or you shouldn't have the audacity to ask for what you need, really. Um and also when I got messaging, you know, based on how I personally reacted, cause um I was a crybaby, I was a baby that was I was a baby and a child, I was always just in my feelings, Um, and when I was crying, I was always told to stop crying. It was kind of clear to me that, okay, if I can't cry, then I definitely can't ask for my emotional uh, needs to be met, like I I can't do it. And I don't even know that I had the tools to do that. Like, I don't know that I had the tools to bring up those kind of conversations. Like, I didn't know what that looked like. Um, but I knew that that was a void. Like, I I always knew that that was a void for me. I just didn't know what that meant and I didn't know how to address it. And, um, it's just something that I just, I just kind of lived with until I had to address it. And, um, I think that what makes it hard is that, um, When you're in that space, especially when you have, so there's a, it's complicated because there's almost this guilt or sense of like, you can't ask for too much because your parents have sacrificed so much. Like when you think about the journey, the the things that a immigrant parent does to, provide for their family it's almost unfathomable like to think that they did all of those things like left their own family left their own place of comfortability left everything that they knew to come to a brand new place that they knew nothing about because they wanted to make sure that they had a set future a future that they can count on not a future that was unstable or uncertain or full of chaos so that they were cycle breakers for sure in their own way um and when you think about that and i don't know about any other when you think about that um there was a lot of that that we received as messaging and and rightfully so that made us very prideful of like man like I have some superb, superior parents, and I always knew that, but then that also made it hard for me to say that I needed more. It was hard for me to express that, yes, you did all of this, and I also need all of that. So that I love you, that I care about you, that you mean so much to me, that um, you are special that was needed in addition to all the other sacrifices and as a you know when you're young and you realize that you're in this position of being a person that is very unique in the sense of the dynamics of your parents and their culture. Again, you really, really internalize that. And then all the other things that other people have or other people uh, do is almost like, you can't even look at that. That's because that's, that's not you. Yeah, they do that. Yeah, Americans do this. Um, and yes, they, they, you know, have these certain ways that they go about things, but what are you comparing yourself to that for? You are this, a child of immigrants and you have a special, unique circumstance. So accept that and go with what it, it is, whatever that culture looks like for you. And if that means that you don't get emotional validation then that's just what it is and I can say I personally struggled with that and I know that there are other children of immigrants who have suffered through that as well um, because there's a guilt that happens there and even so I feel like as you, as you know more, you try to do more. And I know for me personally, the more that I learned about psychology, the more that I learned about the importance of um, love, affection, um, being present for your children, the importance of that in development is the more that I then became a bit resentful because I said to myself, like, wow, um, I didn't get that. And that's not fair. Like, why didn't I get that? That's not fair. Um, And there's a lot of stuff that I had to reconcile to realize that my parents did all that they could. My parents did what they knew to do. And it was much more than what their parents did. So for me, that meant that I can't be resentful for something that they didn't know needed to be done. I felt those feelings of resentment and I processed those feelings of resentment for a long time, but in that process, I had to realize that they did not know better, so they couldn't do better. And I think for a long time, especially in my teens, it bothered me so much that they were so Haitian. Like I was just like, why are they like this? Like, why, why, why do my parents have to be like this? Like, Why do they have these beliefs and these ways about them and these things that they do that just do not align with how I think and how I feel? It bothers me so much. And at that time, I had a lot of clashes with my parents, Um, both of them, my mom and my dad. We were clashing so much because there was so much that like I was just upset about angry about um and i didn't feel like it was fair and then even into my 20s when again like i was i was in college in undergrad and i was learning so much more and i was just like so upset i didn't know how to work through it because for me it was just like well if they don't see it my way then you know, like, we can't, this this can't be fixed because my way is the best way. I know what I'm talking about. I'm right. Like, they have to fix themselves because clearly, like, I know what I'm talking about. And um, I I had to realize quickly, but it, it wasn't quick for me. <laughs> I had to realize through a lot of processing conversations and things that, um, i had to meet them where they were at so it wasn't about me saying hey i know this i know what i'm talking about i went to school for this i know that i need emotional stuff blah 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 and you need to get with the program or you're not a good parent like i knew it wasn't about that because that's not gonna work (laughs) that is not gonna work for them, for me to tell them that I know better than them and I know what I'm talking about. Not with my parents, okay? (laughs) Like, no. Um, And that's where the clash was happening, you know, in my teens and in my early 20s was just me really trying to show them that I knew and they needed to get with my program. But as time went on, I realized that to meet them where they were, I had to model what I wanted to see and it's basically like a parent raising a child you can be a parent and you can say all of the things but if you're not actually modeling those things I promise you your child is only going to pick up the things that they see you doing not the things that they hear you saying. So. You have to be able to model. That's how, that's how children pick up what it is that they know that they're supposed to be doing. Whatever you do, they're going to end up doing. However you do it, they're going to do it the same way. You could say it, but if you don't do it, they're not going to do it. And I realized with time that me saying, 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 I want this. I want you to show up in this way. I need you to do this, 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 this it was not going to work it wasn't going to work because you're you're talking to people who are grown individuals my parents came to this country in their 30s so by the time i was in my in my 20s you know like they are you know in their 50s so i don't know what would make me think that i was going to change a 50 50 something year old in how they saw and understood the word world just by me saying, hey, hey, I'm right, listen to me. I know what I'm talking about. Especially coming from a dynamic where when you're a child, you are a child forever almost (laughs) In 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 the Haitian context. It's like you can be grown, it don't matter. They see you as a child you having your set of ideas that you try to impose on them is basically a form of disrespect so i knew that i couldn't just like change it in that way for me to just be like i'm telling you this because basically i was disrespecting them no matter how much i was trying to voice my opinion no matter what tone i used or how i approached it um But I began to realize that my, my natural ability to be soft, my natural, natural ability to be emotional, my natural ability to be um, persuasive in, in my just being and how I was had way more power than all of these words that I was trying to say. But what's hard about that is if that has been almost suppressed in you for so long, you almost don't know how to express it, especially to the people who have been suppressing it in you. I don't know if that makes sense. So for me, it's like, sure, I wanted to model um, saying I love you. Sure, I wanted to model, you know, hugging my parents Um, and doing, you know, things that are more like lovey-dovey, but for so long, even that was a part of me and that's kind of how I naturally express myself, that was suppressed since I could remember, like that was not something that I almost was like allowed to do. So it was hard for me to figure out how to bring that back up (laughs) basically. Like, how do I, how do I do it again? How do I how do I do that again? And what was really um awesome for me is that I was able to express those things in my friendships. So um I had a combination of um I have a com- I had a combination of um friends who are children of immigrants and who were not mostly children of immigrants, but we were able to express those things and model those things with each other. And that I think is what really pushed me to, and, and, and I think it's so important. I think, uh, friendship is, is something that we really could talk about in another episode, but that I think really pushed me to see that, oh, I do have it in me. I'm just scared to show it to my parents because they've suppressed it in me for so long. But I do have it in me. I know how to do that. I've done it before. You know, I've done it before. I I do it on a consistent basis with people who I know are ready to receive it and they're okay with receiving it. So what does it look like to do that with my parents? So that's when I had to realize that in a situation like that where you want to receive something, um, especially with the parent of immigrants, um, especially with immigrant parents, you have to model that to them. And there's a risk that comes with that. So you have to push yourself out of your comfort zone to meet them where they're at to get what it is that you need. Um, your emotional needs are only going to be met if you ask for them to be met. If you sit around and sit back and hope that your immigrant parents are going to learn what it means to be emotional because they live in America, you're going to be sitting back waiting for a long time because that's just not, that's just not how it works, You as the person who was born and raised in this country, who understands the value of those things and has really allowed it to be a part of your life, whether it's with your friendships or other people who you care about, you have the capability to model that to them. You have the capability to show them what that looks like. So it it becomes up to you to to do that so that you so that it could be reciprocated. And once I did that, it things changed. Like once I began to model the emotional needs that I wanted to receive, the emotional wants that I had, the most, once I modeled the emotional needs that I had, I received them. And I was like, isn't, isn't that crazy how it works? What? That's crazy. That's crazy. Even though for like years I was telling myself like, well, they just need to get it. They just need to understand. They just need to, you know. And it's just like, oh, I just I just show it to them and they catch on? Yeah. That's, that's what happens. You show them and they catch on. And I think that as child of immigrants, we need to give our immigrant parents more credit Um, because outside of all the sacrificing that they do, they are very, very smart individuals. I mean, that's how they did what they did. Like they are intelligent human beings. Like my parents are smart. And my mom will say this too. She'll be like, I may not be book smart, Um, because you know, she didn't get to higher education, but she's like, I am smart. You know what I mean? And it's like, um, yeah, sometimes I forget to give her that credit in how intelligent she is and, um, modeling things is like the easiest way that you can see that in action in which, especially for my mom, like when I started modeling the things that I wanted from her, she began to do it but when I was like or upset and angry and yelling about it or trying to like get it out of her it was just like girl you're not getting nowhere (laughs) that that was not working and if anything like my mom felt very disrespectful disrespected by that so I yeah I, I really took on to let me show them what I need and that looked like saying I love you. That looked like being affectionate and like cuddling in the bed or giving them a hug or, you know, um, surprising them in some way. And that's what caught on. And that's how the shift changed from me being this angry resentful child of immigrants that didn't get the love that I wanted to me being a um, grateful child of immigrants who got the needs that she wanted by showing them that it was possible for it to happen. And I think that's the thing is that they didn't know that it was possible. Because, again, they never got that. They never received it. So how would they know that that kind of love is possible? I mean, between them, like between my parents as, you know, like a married couple or between them and their family members, again, that super emotional type of deep, deep love wasn't there. They took care of each other. My parents took good care of each other, you know, but that deeper, like, emotional stuff wasn't there. So how would they know? How would they know? Um, But because I knew, I could show them that it's possible. So I think that that's something to, um, if you're struggling, if you're a child of immigrants and you're struggling with um just finding the way to reconcile with knowing that you have parents or had parents who didn't show up for you in an emotional sense um I just want you to think about what it looks like for you to meet them where they're at knowing what it took to get them to be where they're at knowing How much they didn't have to give um, so that you can feel okay with what your relationship looks like with them. So you can feel okay with um, having more of what you need from them and not being resentful for what you don't get from them. And I know that's hard because, again, you have to put yourself out there. You have to um, put, you know, it's a risk to do it and not get it back. But I feel like if you put work into it and you're consistent with it, then you will see the fruit of that labor. You really will. Because, yeah, we got to give them more credit. They, They really can and are capable of learning things, new things. I mean, they've done it all their lives, right? They're constantly learning in this country. So we just have to figure out what way works for them and not think that our way is the only way. And I'm I'm telling you, it took me a long time to realize that. Um, So I'm not just here saying this as if like, I got the answers and, you know, like I like, no, I was there for a very long time where it was just like, nah, I'm not, you know, like I I don't understand why they don't understand. There's nothing more to it. I mean, that that's probably a span of like 10 years of thinking like that, I would say. Yeah. From like teen, like 15 years old to close to 25 years old, maybe, you know, of thinking that way. So trust me, I've been there. Um, but I'm, I'm speaking from experience how I was able to make that shift and be where I'm at today in a totally different type of relationship with my immigrant parents that, um, yeah, that I, I didn't know that I would see. Like, you know, like for me, it was just like, you get to this point where you're just like I'm I'm fed up, I'm done, like I'm over it, like I'm tired of trying. Um but then I don't know, for me I realized I wasn't really trying. <laughs> I was just living and just hoping that they accepted how I was living. But I wasn't really trying. So um yeah, there's 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 a difference in act- actively trying to see the change. And there's a vulnerability that vulnerability that comes with that, but I think it's totally, totally worth it. So those are my thoughts today on um, security, not being en- enough and love being what we need, but, um, and how to overcome that. So I hope that you enjoyed today's episode of Surviving 2nd Gen. If nothing else, I will see you all at the next one. Bye. If you found today's episode valuable or this podcast as a whole, I invite you to leave a five-star review and also leave a comment letting others know what you gain from this episode. This allows for our podcast to gain more visibility and for it to reach the people that want to hear this information. Also, we invite you to engage in the comments on the YouTube page, Surviving Second Gen Podcast, so we can continue this rich conversation that we're having today.